glad that you guys are here. Are you glad to be here today? Awesome. It is a great day. Um, my name is Josh McCaston. Like they said, I am the community engagement pastor, and our pastor, is, uh, Craig, is not out. Uh, he's not here today. He's going to be out for uh, the day. He's just getting a little bit of rest. And so I'm excited uh, that I get to be here today, but also just be praying, praying for him. He leads and he preaches so well, and, uh, and so we're just grateful to have a pastor like that. We've had a a great spring here at First Colleyville. Um, being here for almost a year now, uh, just to get to see the ebb and flow of life. And I'll tell you, man, April and May was crazy here at First Colleyville and just in general. I know that school is uh, going to be out this week. And so I think some of our kids are excited about that. Maybe? Anybody? Kind of? I know. There you go. We got at least one clap over there. And then uh, I know our parents are probably readjusting a little bit, right? Because we just have to get used to our kids being home. And that will be fun. Uh, my son is going to get a job, though, so that's going to be great. Yeah, I'm excited about that for sure. Uh, but no, it's just fun to, uh, to be at a church that, that really cares about our families, and we're in this series on family trip. Um, but we also have uh, a VBS coming up right around the corner, not this Monday, but next Monday. Um, and so if you are interested in VBS, they have more kids than they've ever had right to this date. Um, I think there are over 100 already registered more than last year, which is crazy. Um, volunteers as well. We have a great number of volunteers. There's only a few volunteers that we need left. So if you are ex really excited about helping with VBS and the kids, then please just go over to the kids' lobby or out into the foyer out here, and uh, they would love to put you to work. Um, but if it gives you the heebie-jeebies to, to see you know, goldfish fingers and glue sticks and thousands of kids, then you can just pray. And um, not only can you pray, you can maybe even maybe send a spa package to the kids' staff. I think they would like that as well. Um, but we are excited about VBS because here's the great thing about it. There's a lot of great things about it. But that our kids get to hear the Word of God that does not return void, that helps them not just for now but for eternity. And they get to learn it and they get to be in an environment that teaches them that. And, um, and it's not just for people who are part of the, the First Colleyville family, it's for all kids. So anybody who wants to come, if you haven't registered, they're going to close registration um, on Tuesday this week. And so it's a great opportunity to invite somebody if they have kids of that age. So um, we are just praying with them and we're excited uh, because it's going to be a great outreach tool as well. So um, continue to pray in that. So, but this morning we are in our family trip series and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 16. So if you want to turn there, Genesis chapter 16, uh, we are, while you're turning there, um, how many of you, your family is a trip? Legitimately, like your family is crazy. Yes, thank you. Mine is as well, all right? Mine is, mine is crazy. We had a, a birthday party, party for my brother-in-law and for my, well, it was a graduation party for my little nephew. And there was like 16 people, and we, we, we kind of add a few too because we always bring friends or whatever. And our family was going to this pizza place, and we were all gathering there. And, you know, we move tables together, and we're like standing in the aisles, and we act like we're the only ones there. 
you know, and then you're just like talking and, and everybody's, the, the waiter's trying to figure out who's who and what. And we're like, well, our drinks are down there and our kid's there and there and this one's here, you know, and, and it's like nobody's even around. And we, we take the party out to the, to the parking lot and it's just right outside the door. And our little nephew, he's just graduating from pre-K to kindergarten, which you graduate for everything these days. And so he's graduating from pre-K to kindergarten and he did this little show where he had this alphabet and then he did this sign language to, to it. And so we had to see it as a family but we didn't make it out the door all the way. So we're kind of standing right there and everybody's like kind of trying to get biased and they're looking at us weird. And, and there's a certain part of me there that I'm like, I want to help like go, hey, let's move over here and let's stop. But then it's like, no, I need to concentrate on the grand, the, on the little nephew because, you know, moms think that's important. So parent, dads think that's important, right? So I'm sitting there trying to do that. And at some point I'm just like, it's not even worth it. Like, you know, you can't choose your family. So you just got to live with them and you just go with it. And so that's what we did. But we, our family is crazy. I mean, we have a group chat or a group text that, that goes on and we're sending pictures and we're getting dings all day during the work day. And, and it's just, it's, it's fun, but it's crazy. And every family is different, right? It's not, I'm not going to presume to think that my family is exactly like your family today. You may not have family that's around. You may have a small family. But what we do see here in this family trip series is God's design for the family. And we get to see where kind of the, the faith family started from. In, in Genesis chapter 16, um, where we're at today, we're, we're looking at Abraham and how he kind of parallels with um, the, the story of what family should look like or maybe what it doesn't look like. Um, Abraham was not just somebody who was you know, this person who did everything right. And he was chosen by God because of something that he did. He was a pretty ordinary guy. In fact, all we know in Abraham uh, from Genesis chapter 11 is that Abraham was a, a son. He had a brother. His brother had some kids. His wife that he married couldn't have kids. And then God chooses him to be the father of many nations and to bless all people and redeem all people back to himself. Like he was just an ordinary guy. This is kind of the beginning of the way that God works is sometimes God uses, or most of the time, God uses the most unlikely person to do the most extraordinary things. There was not something that, that Abraham just did. In fact, what happened before that in Genesis was just a wreck. I mean, just sin took over the world. I mean, God through Adam and Eve, he created Adam and Eve and he made them in their likeness. And he's like, hey, here's this garden and I want you to take care of it. And he gave them this tree with this fruit. And he's like, I don't want you to eat of the fruit. And the serpent came by to Eve and said, hey, I think you should eat of the fruit because you'll be like God. And she's like, what? And so she's like, is a fruit? And he was like, she was like, is it an avocado? And he's like, no, yeah, sure. And not saying it was an avocado. Okay, probably wasn't an avocado, but... She took the fruit and she made guacamole. I'm just kidding. She didn't do that either. So she took the fruit and she ate it. Okay. And in, when she ate that, sin entered the world. And then she gave it to, to Adam. And Adam took and ate it. Sin had entered the world. The reason I tell you that, that portion of the story is because that parallels exactly what happens with our story today. And it continues to happen. But God's promise to Abraham, he is 100% on his promises. And so God's promise to Abraham is something that he wants to prove to Abraham. But Abraham doesn't have this special talent. 
Abraham just accepts the call. So when we pick up in chapter 16, we're picking up many years later. And Abraham in chapter 15 had done all these great things so far. And he says, but one thing, hey, remember, I don't have, I don't have a kid yet. Remember, I need, I need a child if you're going to make me the father of many nations. And he, he takes Abraham and he looks out and he goes, you will have as many sons and daughters and descendants as there are stars in the sky. And it says that Abraham believed. And so then we pick up in chapter 16. So let's look in chapter 16, verses 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai and Abram's, Abram's wife took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. Whew. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Okay. I mean, I got to the first part where it says, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And I'm like, man, that stinks. Why does she not have children yet? It's a promise from God. And I'm like, okay, we're doing okay because, I mean, God's faithful, right? His promise is faithful. But then it all goes haywire. And we all know that this is just not the way that it's supposed to be. This is not. But we do know this, if we look back, God had taken Abram and Sarah, and he had brought them out of Egypt. He'd taken them from their homeland where they, they accepted the call of God on the life to be able to be the father of many, of many nations and to bless people, right? That's what he was going to do. And so they accepted that call, and God had actually been faithful. This is how God had been faithful. He, even though that Abram was an idiot to Pharaoh and said that his wife was his sister so that they could be able to get in and have more supplies and all this. He did all these dumb things and then eventually Pharaoh came back to him and he said, uh, why didn't you tell me that that's her wife, that's your wife? And then he let him go. Pharaoh let him go. And then they got to travel into another land and then they got to actually, uh, they grew. They grew and they multiplied. I mean, they, they grew in their tribe. They grew in their supplies. They grew in their, uh, their livestock. They grew um, in their in their army. I mean, he said he had, he had this military that he, that he grew and that he helped actually rescue Lot from. And, and so you could tell that actually things were moving forward. He was going to be a father of many nations because he was, he was doing the right thing and whenever he was following God. Even the kings said that he was blessed. Like there was, so Sarai knows this and she's sitting there listening to all of this and look at, looking at all, all the things that have happened. And she's like, man, am I the problem? Am I the reason why there's not many nations? 
Like, is it, is it me? I mean, I, I, I'm seeing all these kids and I'm seeing all these families and, and I want that too because the, I have a dream. I mean, Sarah and Abram, they believed in the dream and God was, God was moving them forward. How many times as a family you've had a dream of what it should look back like or you have an expectation of what it should look like and it just doesn't pan out the way that you want it to pan out? I mean, Melissa and I will go on a date night and we'll just dream about some of the randomest stuff. We'll just dream and we'll just talk about where we want to go and what we want to do and what we're going to be like when we're older. And, and, and because it's just, it's natural for us to want to, to, especially when we know that God is faithful for us to be able to, to have the desires of our heart. So you know that Sarah is in that same boat. She wants, she wants to be a part of the dream, but she also wants it for herself. So what does she do? She does two things that we see here. Number one is she blames God. And number two is she tries to control the situation. She uses blame and control. If you want two tools that will continually keep your family in dysfunction or chaos, use blame and control. In your power, you will use blame and control, and that will help continually create more entanglement of sin and chaos. As opposed to what it says in James chapter 4, verses 13, verses 15. It says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So how about this? Why don't you help me finish this sentence, okay? If you want to do something right, you got to do it yourself. Did somebody say that? Did, did anybody? Did anybody at all? <laughs> Thank you, Jake. <laughs> yeah, if you want to do something right, you got to do it yourself, right? I mean, like, am I the only one here that has two brain cells that can put them together and actually get something done that needs to be done the right way? I mean, for real. I, I, like, if you'd, have to, if, I'd have, if you'd have done what I told you to do the first time, the way that I had you do it, like, we would not be in this problem. We would have been doing it right. And then we wouldn't have taken the shortcut that you tried to take the shortcut on. And, and so just, just move over and let me do it. I got this, okay? Like, did you invent zero? So thank you for nothing. Like, I, I mean, you know, I'm trying to have a conversation with my son about jobs for the summer, you know? I'm like, no, son, we will not, there's no such thing as a part-time CEO job for the summer, right? When it comes down to it, we, inside, we can do it. I mean, it doesn't matter what, what happens. Like, we just have this something. It's like when something's not working right, when there's a line at a restaurant and we're like, what is going on with this? I've got somewhere to go. Like, do I need to come behind there? Do I need to serve the drinks? Do I need to go? Do I need to push the buttons? Because it can't be that hard. I just want that one, right? I mean, you just, you start taking control. The problem about blaming control is not that, that they're always a bad thing. It's just that when we look at it in the context of Scripture, what we realize in our heart from the beginning of time is that there's something not right with us. 
There's something not right with our expectations. There's something not right with our power. There's something not right with our entitlement. There's not something not right with our flesh because there's actually two promises here. There's a promise of God, but there's also a promise of the world. And those are distinct. They're distinctly different. And when we look at things from the promise of the world, we'll look at it through James where we're going like, well, I'm just gonna plan and do this and do this because this is how it works because this is what should happen. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily bad, but I'm saying God wants more. God wanted more for Sarah. And Sarah had a hard time with it. I mean, go on to verse five. Sarah said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarah, behold, your servant is in your power. Just do with her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her. So therefore, Hagar fled. This story is just a mess. It's a spiral of just dysfunction and messed upness. And it just keeps getting worse. It keeps getting worse. Why? Because she's still trying to control it. She's trying to figure it out. That's, that's just the way that it works, right? That's the way that sin works. That's the way that whenever we're trying to figure things out and we're trying to do it on our own, it just seems to go wrong so, in so many different ways. And that's what Sarah is doing. So here's the deal. What we're learning from this story today is not how to mirror our life after them, okay? This is one of the ones where we're trying to learn how to correct from what we got to learn from what they did wrong, all right? So what I want to do is I want to give to you four different ways to prepare for delays and detours in your life. I want to go give you four different thoughts to think about as you are preparing for detours and delays in your life because detours and delays happen. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. They do. We know this. So the first one is this. Walk in intimacy with God. Sounds simple enough. Walk in intimacy with God. God wants us to walk with him. God wants us to have a relationship with him. It's not just check, it's not just check the box type of Christianity. That's not the relationship that he wants. Do you need to read the Bible? Yes. Do you need to memorize the Bible? Yes. Do you need to pray? Yes. Do you need to go to church? Yes. But that's not what God wants. What God wants is to be connected with you. He wants you to know him and him to know you. He wants intimacy. He wants you to be led by him because he has a plan for you. That's whenever we learn to die to ourselves and lead, be led by him. That's why emotions are terrible. They're, they're terrible leaders, but they're great followers. That's why our flesh is a terrible leader, but they're a great follower. Is that God has, wants us to have and, and enjoy our, our world and our life, but he has a bigger plan than just what the world can offer. So God wants us to be intimate. The world says you, how you get rest and how you get peace is to take a vacation, take some naps, and have just freedom, do whatever you wanna do. Just, if I just had more free time, that's how you're gonna get peace. That's how you're gonna get rest. But God's desire for you is differently. In fact, God's rest comes with work. 
God's rest and peace comes with intimacy. That is the true rest. Many times you come back from a vacation and you need a vacation. Many times you get up from a nap and you gotta make coffee. Many times you get freedom and then all of a sudden you lose the freedom because you didn't know what you did with this freedom and you wasted your time talking about Laurel and Yanny and Fortnite and whatever else. And you think that's what you needed and think that's what you wanted, but ultimately you don't. You need something more. And I wish I knew what that was. All I know is to point you to intimacy with God, to know him more and his peace, and to simply say, God, what do you want? What is your will? So number one is to walk with God. Number two is it takes time. So when you're preparing for detours and delays in your life, you must know to take, it takes time to trust. It takes time to trust. What we see from these scriptures is even in the delay, God's promises are true. Even when your life is not perfect, even when your kids are not perfect, even when your spouse is not perfect, even when they're far from it, that it takes time to trust and God's promises are true. It says to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and to lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. But you trust the Lord with all your heart. Your heart consists of your mind, your body, your soul, and your spirit. All of those things. Your mind being your knowledge, what you know. And man, it's, we need to know the word and we need to know about God, but it's not just about knowledge. The more that knowledge that you get is gonna be great, but if you use it without intimacy, if you don't put it with the rest of your heart, you're always gonna be lacking in something. The body the same way in your health and trying to be a health nut and always trying to eat the right foods and always trying to make the right decisions. That's great for you to be able to do that, but that's not gonna be extremely satisfying for you. That's not gonna be ultimately satisfying for you. Your soul, you can do as much yoga and meditation. You can eat as much soul food as you want to, but it's not going to fulfill you and satisfy you the way that God wants you to be fulfilled. Your spirit and your individuality and what makes up you and your gifts and talents, those are awesome and those are great, but the world's gonna tell you, believe in yourself and I'm telling you, to die to yourself because that's what scripture says. It's not about you. It's about how God has made you and how he wants to bring and change the source, which is your heart. And he wants to do something different with you. So therefore, you don't conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind daily. So that he changes your heart daily. So it takes time to trust. God wants all of your heart. And if you put all of those things together, you're going to realize really quick that you're probably lacking somewhere. So we probably need to stop trying to blame and control, and we probably need to man up and own our stuff. That's the process that God is talking about. That's what God wants for us. It takes time to trust, but we have to trust him when we walk in with him intimately because he has a promise for us, and he has a good plan for us. Number three is this, and I don't really got much with this one, all right? But when we prepare for detours and delays, to just stop. I'm looking at this story with Sarah and Hagar, Hagar and I'm like, and Abram, I'm like, somebody stop. Somebody just stop it at any moment. Sarah's like, I think this is a good idea. You should sleep with Hagar. And then we can now have a kid. And I'm like, no, stop, just stop. 
And then Abraham's like, I mean, I guess if I have to. I mean, sure, sounds good, Sarah. And then Abram does it, and Hagar concedes. And then it just keeps going, and it gets worse. Now Sarah's just a mess, and she thought she had this promise, and she thought she was doing the right thing because she was going to have many nations, and now she's going to have a kid, but it's really not her kid, it's Hagar's kid, but it's really Hagar and Abram's kid. And, and so, but now she's, but she's still Abram's wife, but now Hagar is sitting there going, hey, Abram, um, could you give me some food? I'm really hungry, and my feet are kind of tired. Will you rub my feet? And Hagar's like, got, um, Abram's like, my baby, yes, I'll do whatever you need, right? I mean, this is just terrible, but it's so true with us. Like, somebody today needs to hear this. The blame and the control, it's got to stop. You got to let it go. You just, it's not going to help anything to keep it going in the direction that it's going. We got to surrender it to God. We got to ask what he wants before we just continually make more of a mess, an entanglement of our sin. Families are tough. It's not easy. It's not always fun. I don't know how many times that I've got into a car going to church or going on a vacation or wherever and you know, mom's mad at daughter, daughter's mad at brother, dad's mad at everybody because nobody's on time doing what I asked them to do. And so I'm like, everybody get in the car, we're going on vacation. And we're all gonna have fun, and we're gonna like each other. Get in the car, we're gonna learn about Jesus. You know. And then we get out and we're like, hey, how's it going? That's great, life's good. Right? I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm just sitting here looking at Abram and I'm looking how an ordinary dude that he is and how unlikely of a person that God would father many nations that I would come to know Jesus because of him. This past week, a couple weeks ago, I was at a banquet and um, I was about three conversations in going to this missions banquet and I was shaking this guy's hand, and he looked at me, and he shook my hand really hard. He goes, Josh McCaslin. And I was like, I'm Michael. You don't, probably don't remember me, but you've changed my life. And I was like, okay. And uh, he was like, you changed my life. And I'm like, what happened? He's like, you remember I was trying to buy your house. I was like, you had it for sale by owner? I was like, oh, yeah. I was, remember, this is about a year and a half ago. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, he goes, you, you were standing on your driveway and we were talking and you said, hey, do you go to church anywhere? And I said, no, we don't go to church. We've never gone to church as a family or anything. And I go, well, you should try our church. It's local and it's great and it's a great way to meet people and for you just get connected in the community. And so he said, we went. I was like, awesome, great. He goes, no, no. He goes, I went, I accepted Christ. My wife accepted Christ. My kids accepted Christ. We got baptized together. People at my work say that I'm a completely different person. I serve in the youth area and I love it. And I wanna be there as much as possible. I go to men's Bible studies. 
I've been on a mission trip. I'm going on a mother mission trip to Africa. That's why I'm here. I'm going to try to get my family to be a missionary to police. I'm like, what is happening? I mean, and he's like, Jesus has changed my life and you invited me. You changed my life. Thank you. And he followed me around this banquet like multiple times and like hugged me and like shook my hand. And he like, before he left, he was like, hey man, I just want to tell you. And he kept telling me what God was doing in his life. And I'm not sitting here today like telling you this because like I'm the hero of the story. Honestly, Michael's the hero of the story. Right, because God has called Michael, and Michael had a purpose and a plan, and God had never, he had never met God in his life, and all it took was just me asking him to go to church. And I mean, I'm a pastor, I just have spiritual conversation, and I think about creative and fun ways to tell people about Jesus, and how to be cool with it, and how to be awesome with it, and how we can you know, learn more and how I can be more eloquent and how I can be more academic and how, because I want to be able to communicate it. But ultimately, it's God's plan. And all we have to do is just be obedient. And the most extraordinary things happen from the most ordinary people. So for you and your family today, God has a plan and a promise for you. And it can start today. It can start today. Why? Because of this, my fourth point. When you're preparing for detours and delays in your life, just know you will be found. Walk with intimacy. It takes time to trust. Sometimes you just gotta stop. But know at some point, you are going to be lost. At some point, You're going to be alone. Mom, dad, you're just going to not figure out how to raise your kid any better than you already have. And you don't know what else to do. At some point, you've lost the intimacy and connection with your spouse. And you don't know where to go. And you don't know where to turn. The most beautiful part about the gospel, the most beautiful part about the story is the way that God pursues us. In verse 7, let's finish with this. The angel of the Lord found her. This is Hagar. She's away. She's just done. She has a baby. She's by herself. And the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, in the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. Why? Because he had a promise. And the angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so they cannot be numbered for multitude. You've got to know that you're lost before you can be found. And Hagar was was lost and she was done. She was a product of a decision that she had made, but she's a product of other decisions that were made. And you can continually blame someone else or try to control another situation, but ultimately at some point you have to recognize that in this scripture, in verses seven, it says the angel of the Lord, what that represents here in the commentary, it says that that word, the angel of the Lord, referred to a different angel that says it was physically present or resembled a man. man. Many scholars and theologians think that that was Jesus pre-incarnate and ultimately what that's saying is is that Jesus knew where she was at Jesus saw her when she felt alone when she felt 
empty, when she felt lost, Jesus knows where you're at. Your family could be completely screwed up. You could be completely distant from your family. You could put it in the back of your mind. Your family could be great, but you just, you're having certain challenges that you're at right now and you don't know what to do with them. You could be a blended family. You could be a single mom family. It, it really doesn't matter where you're at because that's where the story of God and that's where Jesus finds you at and he makes something special out of where you're at by believing in the promise. If you're lost today, if your family seems without hope, God is near to the brokenhearted. And he's here for you. He chases you. He relentlessly pursues you. He cares for you. When the prodigal son returns home, he welcomes you with open arms because he's a good father. We can make an intentional plan for our family and we can resolve conflict in our family and we can do those things, but at some point, we're gonna come across a detour and a delay in our family's life and we're not gonna know what to do. And simply, we must turn to him and say, God, what is your will for my life? I wanna know you. I wanna connect with you. I wanna learn to trust you. I want to stop going the ways of the world and believing the promise of the world. Thank you for seeing me. That's what Hagar's son's name meant. It God who sees. God sees you and he sees your family. And even if your past is so screwed up with your family, you can start with today. You just have to turn and be obedient. Maybe a little rocky at some point, but God's promise is eternal. And you're gonna be a part of a family that has eternal value, that has assurance, that has peace, has unity.